Hi everyone, this is Tim. First, thanks for the download. If you get this podcast through Apple Podcasts, please do me a favor and give us a rating and review. It will help us grow the podcast for others can find us. Today's guest on 101 is Shauna Roberts. She's a candidate for the U.S. House of Representatives from the Ohio 6th District. She's running as a Democrat in the primary on May 8th. If Ms. Roberts wins the primary, she'll face Bill Johnson in the general election this fall. So here's an opportunity to learn more about Shauna Roberts, who's running for the House of Representatives from Ohio's 6th District. Hi everyone, this is Tim from RadioMVP.com and today on our one-on-one conversation we're going to be speaking with Shauna Roberts. She's the candidate for the U.S. House of Representatives, Ohio's 6th District, and that is a huge district that encompasses about 18 counties, I believe, including parts of Mahoning County. Matter of fact, at one point in my life, I was part of the 6th District before some redistricting happened here in Bourbon, Ohio. And it's right on the edge of the uh, 6th District. And right now, let's bring in Shauna Roberts, who is the candidate for the House of Representatives in the 6th District of Ohio. Shauna, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Shauna, let's let's get into the beginning of your story here. Obviously, running for Congress is a big decision, but a lot more goes into it. Usually, in my opinion, when most people I've talked to have run for any type of office, it's something that builds up over a lifetime. What 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 is some of the things that you did in your lifetime that led you to the decision to run for Congress here in 2018? Oh gosh, um, this actually was one of those surprising decisions that kind of hits out of the blue for me. We um, I I had never actually considered running for office. And then 2016 happened, the election happened, I discovered that it was important to be involved in politics, that that it was something that actually mattered, and it was not uh, just something to ignore and let other people do. So I got involved, and I have been uh, working since then in, you know, the, the usual activist stuff. I've been making phone calls and writing letters. Uh, we went to uh, Rob Portman's office and lay down in the rain for health care. And my small group at the end of October, we are a small indivisible group down here in Belmont County, were concerned that nobody was running against Bill Johnson. And we, we, didn't, we, we didn't want that to happen. We were concerned. And so one of the folks in my small group decided that I should run. And um, we, we discussed it and decided that it was appropriate to do that because we did not want him to run unopposed. He's just that bad for the district. So it was, it was a surprise to me, actually. So I decided that being a mom, that meant that I was concerned about the welfare of other people. And I was used to taking the needs of other people into consideration. And being a mom, I was used to having to deal with problems and with people who disagreed with each other. And so I thought, well, I might as well give it a try. So it was an interesting, an interesting moment for me. <laughs> so. yeah, no, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, I met you at the Mahoney County Democratic Party endorsement meeting. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that, that caught my ear when I was listening to you speak that day 
is that you were talking about you know your background um i my my understanding is you were you grew up here in ohio and then moved away to california and then came back is that correct actually i was born in illinois and i moved to california um after i graduated from high school and then uh we my husband and i came out to ohio for a uh a quaker based conference and we fell in love with the area. We love the people. Uh, we love the faith community that was here. And we discovered we could actually afford to buy a house, which we couldn't have done in California. At the time, California's medium, median housing, housing price where we were was $500,000. And so there was, there was no way we could afford a house for us and our kids. So we came here. And it's beautiful. It is the most beautiful place in the world. So. Yeah, I've traveled through Belmont. I have not been there often. I got broadcast high school football and, and basketball games, and I've been <laughs> through different parts of the state. And, you know, there's so many different things about uh, that area. Obviously, you, like you said, you uh, moved back there, what, around 2000, 2002, I imagine that range, and you've been there since? Yep, we've been here since my 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 middle son was born in uh, at the end of April, and we got here at the end of June. So. He was about two months old when we showed up, and and uh, it's it's been sixteen years now almost. So it's been home ever since. Right? How long? Yeah, I can keep track of how long we've been here based on how old he is. So that's <laughs> pretty well. Well, you know that's that's an interesting part because I think what you mentioned earlier are looking for is people with with common sense who have who have lived a life, you know, who's raising a family, who uh, has to deal with everyday routines. And really understand what's going on. And you mentioned about healthcare. You know, that's yeah. one of my favorite subjects because I know I've I've been in and out of healthcare my entire life up until the Affordable Care Act. I went without healthcare for about I would say seven or eight years minimum. It may have been longer, and there were stretches in the last twenty years where I was uninsured. So yeah. I mean, that's an important subject, and it, it affects everybody because it affects anybody who's you know an infant up until they're you know, they're elderly ages when they're on Medicare. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, my mother has a, a chronic health a set of se several chronic health issues. And before the ACA and it, when I was younger, she would get phone calls from the bill collectors and she would cry and it was terrible. You know, it's, it's just, it's not, it's not something you take lightly. If you are ill and you need help, you should get it. You shouldn't be forced to decide between getting help and and being able to pay your bills it's it's just a terrible thing so that and uh, my son who I mentioned earlier he's he actually had a, a hernia operation when he was about two and we didn't have health care at the time either so we ended up actually going bankrupt as a result of that so it's health care is not easy it's not something that you should just discard and um, make light of and when people try to take away like Medicaid and Medicare, like they did this this past year, the um, the the Republicans in Congress tried to vote against it, including our guy Johnson down here. That was that would have been devastating for people. You know, it's just it's not right. People need to be able to have health care without feeling like they have to decide between that and being able to pay their bills. So. It needs to be done, needs to be done right. It is. It's one of the things, in my opinion, is uh, holding back our country from total growth. You look at the every other country in the in civilized world, uh, they all have some type of uh, health care for their 
citizens and is something that we all need to work on, not just the politicians, but those who are like myself talking about it and others. We have to be involved. We have to learn and we have to move forward on these issues because that's on every issue. But on that issue alone, I was talking to a small business owner a few weeks ago and he was saying, you know, that's his biggest thing every year he's worried about is trying to find insurance for his uh, for his employees that are affordable, that he can afford to help pay. And these are the things that I think economically, when we talk about how the economy works, that a lot of people don't understand, you know, unless they happen to face a issue that uh, is healthcare uh, based. Yeah. Yeah. It's the the small businesses. It's a real hardship for small businesses to have to figure out how to do health care for their folks. But if they don't do it, then they can be they can be punished depending on their size. And also, uh, if they don't do it, they've got people looking for other jobs. You know, the the way we do health care is it's not healthy for the country. If we were to do something like the Medicare for all program that has been sort of discussed um, where people could buy into Medicare no matter what age they were, that might help with some of that. So we'll see what we can do about moving forward with making it more available for everybody. That's, you know, the, the goal is to make sure everybody has affordable uh, quality health care. And I think there's a whole bunch of great ideas out there. You know, there's no question. I mean, there's not one solution. There's many solutions, in my opinion. And it's like you said, having that opportunity to go through it to the bottom of the issue. And I think we're moving. I think those who are running for office for the correct reasons, like yourself and many others, uh, we're going to have that opportunity to have that debate and and, and hopefully get this uh, corrected. I think uh, eight years ago, we moved in the right direction. Uh, since uh, the last election, we have uh, are now fighting for the right to uh, keep uh, health care affordable and accessible to many. And speaking of accessible to many, I know one of your other major positions is on high-speed internet. And I imagine you have a maybe even a different opinion because uh, I don't know about the rural areas. I have drove through them, and, and sometimes you see HughesNet out there and other satellite ones. But my understanding is broadband is not available uh, in different parts of the state of Ohio. And that is something that is shocking because we have telephones everywhere. Yeah, we have in this, in this, you know, you, you mentioned this district is huge. It is big. There's a lot of variations between counties, but we have uh, on average about 50% of the households in this district have uh, broadband available to them, which is, you know, Monroe County has zero households with, uh, with, with broadband available to them. Uh, Muskingum County has 89% of households. So there's a huge variation between the district as well, but there's a lot of places that just don't have access. Now, HughesNet, you mentioned that. There's some other places that have some other satellite issues. They are they are part of the solution, but they are not actually a substitute for broadband. Broadband is fast. Broadband is uh, much, much more efficient and much in, more inexpensive than the satellite and the, the Wi-Fi that other people use. They use not Wi-Fi, but the data. If they, if they hook up the phone, it's expensive. I know a person in Guernsey County, I was talking to her, she pays $700 a month and she has to have internet because she's got a truck uh, trucking company. So, you, you know, the people shouldn't have to pay that much for what should be a basic utility. It's like electricity. You know, in 1930, we brought electricity to the rural areas. We can do the same thing with broadband if we decide it's important. 
And it is. If we don't have it, we we are going to be behind the eight ball for all sorts of economic development. We need that. We also need, it turns out, a whole bunch of other infrastructure here. We have some of the bridges are from the 30s that haven't been updated. We have roads that are crumbling. We have places you don't, you can't even get cell phone coverage in some places. So we, we have a lot of infrastructure work to do. The problem we've got right now is that the Republicans in Congress right now want to have an infrastructure program, but they don't want to pay for it. And we don't have a lot of extra money around here to pay for that. We, we're going to need federal dollars to help with this. So it's, it's, it's going to be a challenge, but I think we can do it as long as everybody has the desire to do it. You know, it's, it's something that you have to want to do. And, you know, Johnson doesn't even want net neutrality, let alone broadband everywhere. So right. we're just going to keep working on it, but it'll happen. The 21st century is going to be a great century for us here, as long as we have people in office that actually care about us. So we're going to work on that bringing up a net neutrality. I mean, that is such a huge issue that most people maybe don't understand the title and, and what it means, but more than anything, you're talking about that one company is spending $700 a month for internet access. If they ended up on the slow band versus the high speed band that they probably need, just how much more inefficient a, a business would be if they don't have that. And net neutrality basically gives everybody that same opportunity to have the same type of speed and access to the internet. Yeah. And it's not just business, it's education. I know people who can't hook up to, uh, to chats because their hookup is too slow. And so they can't do the distance learning um, classes that they would like to take. And I know people who they take their kids to, to McDonald's to work on their homework because they don't have, you know, internet hooked up at the house for the, the internet-based homework that the kids have to do. You know, it's it's healthcare, it's education, it's everything. And without it, you know, that's that puts us really behind everybody else. And so we're 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 gonna we're gonna need it. So we will get it. It's just so important to, uh, to have the communication. Matter of fact, we're using that communication right now via the internet, and it's necessary. I don't want anybody to not be able to communicate in this country. And, you know, it reminds me, you know, when you read about in history books about how the telephone company came about and how they were able to make access available to everyone. And that's the exact same thing we need with the internet. Uh, it needs to be a tool that is used for not just education, healthcare, for uh, businesses, but everything else in, in my goodness, you hear about people just talking about every day about watching television on Netflix, Hulu, or whatever they may uh, choose to use and becoming really more important than the phone because most people don't even have landlines anymore. They're going to the cell phone in the process. They're going to need that, that internet access to, uh, you know, video chats like we're doing right now are becoming more and more popular, uh, not just for, something like this, a podcast, but is for family members to stay in touch that are across country. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, we, we don't have broadband here. We, we use, um, we use data, we use phone data and we were trying to watch a, a Netflix show last night and we, we ended up having to give up on it. That happens sometimes, but, uh, you know, sooner or later we'll get a chance to finish watching it after it finishes buffering. But, uh, yeah, it, it, you need it for everything, including entertainment. So. Absolutely. We'll get it. It's so essential and so important. So we, you know, between healthcare and the infrastructure, including rural broadband, uh, 
you know, we'll we'll get there and we'll get into the 21st century and it'll be great, assuming we can get people into office who actually care about the folks that they are supposed to be representing. So uh, we haven't seen a lot of that in the last year, but I think it'll get better. We're talking with Shauna Roberts, who is running for Ohio's 6th District in the House of Representatives. She is currently endorsed by the Democratic Progressives Leap Forward Citizen Advocacy Group, the Mahoney County Democratic Party, the Columbiana Democratic Party, and the Belmont Democratic uh, Party. So uh, you want to find out more about Shauna, you can find it on her website, Shauna Roberts for Congress 2018.org. I know we were talking about many different things, but uh, one of the things on your on your website that you talked about is just in generally running for office the very first time and how it, how it came about. <laughs> um, discovering that politics matters. It turns out that politics really is a matter of life and death. And it hadn't occurred to me that that was what really was important until uh, about a year and a half ago. And I thought, you know, common decency was just common decency, and it turns out it's not as easy as that. So, you know, I have a group here, the the Indivisible group down here. We've been involved in letter writing and in phone calling, and uh, we decided that not only was it important to be activists, but it was important to find a way to get into the political system. We were concerned that the this race didn't have a Democrat at the time. It was the last. It was the last congressional district in Ohio that did not have a Democratic candidate running. And we were concerned. And we knew that there had been other people who had been asked, um, but so many of the, of the, you know, the experienced, you know, politicians had chosen not to take it on for various reasons. And we decided that it was, it was just too important. And what, you know, whether I won or lost, what was, what was most important was letting people know that there were ideas and that there were values that were important to us for our well-being, that we actually had choices. So there it was, you know, it was, it was kind of, it surprised the heck out of me, frankly. I, (laughs) I'm still a little surprised that I, I decided that, that this was something that I was going to take on because I am not, I, I have never, I have never struck myself as an, as a politician and the, the thing that, that made me decide it, that it was okay is that we don't need politicians right now. Right now, what we need is people who care and people who believe in us. And I yeah. do that. I, you know, we are just such awesome people down here. And they, this whole district is full of wonderful people. And what we need isn't a politician. What we need is somebody who believes that we can do great things. And I said, well moms moms are for believing in you and so since i've i've had i counted it up i have about 70 man years of experience being a mom now with five kids there's there's plenty there's plenty of momming that i have done so we can do this we can we can do it and uh it's an odd thing to not be a politician but be running as a politician and i i guess i'll get used to it I think what we're seeing in the in the country is more and more women getting activated and willing to get involved, you know, energize themselves and get to the next level and and become leaders in their communities. And if that's a, a mayor or if it's a council person or if it's a you know someone running for Congress, you know, this country what it needs to recognize is that 
a lot of them have great ideas and have, have views or you know the community in general uh, and it, like you said your district is so large physically large you may have come across is i imagine a lot of people talking about the opiate uh, addiction and and the problems that we got going on i know that's something that you were talking about before and how that needs to uh, have a a new outlook and a new opportunities for these people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the um, the there's a it's a it's a complex issue, and we have put in place a lot of things that are beginning to to uh, be useful. Although we still have we are still uh, opiate opiate deaths are still rising. We we had seventy percent more opiate deaths in twenty sixteen. No, in twenty seventeen than we did in twenty sixteen in Ohio. So it's still terrible, but we are beginning to put in place some guidelines for things like uh, prescription opiates that really, frankly, the prescription opiates jump-started this whole thing. So if we can get some controls on that, we're good. Uh, we, we need to have some controls on uh, policing, which they, you know, folks have been bringing in policing and making sure that that, uh, that, that end is good. One of the things that we are really still not, we don't have a handle on yet, and what we need to do in order for us to move forward is we need um, to make sure that we preserve and and enhance and, and grow our treatment facilities. Uh, nine out of 10 of the folks down here are, are getting their, their treatment if they are, you know, they're getting their addiction rehab treatment from Medicaid. So we need to preserve Medicaid if we've, if we get rid of or we cut back on Medicaid, we are going to see a lot more deaths. So we need to make sure that stays in place. We need to make sure that we start looking at um, the recovery process because somebody who has gone through rehab 30 days, even a few months, is not cured. You know, that's that's where you know you'll you get a lot of relapses after they go through that. And they die. You know, we don't want that. We want people to be able to thrive. So we need to make sure that we put in place recovery systems that can help people thrive. I was talking to a judge down in Jackson County. He's got uh, a relationship with a recovery group down in actually Florida. And he sends his folks down to Florida to to recover. It's a five-year-long process. And it uh, it works. He's got he's been able to get over you know three fourths of the people he has down are clean and raising families and they have jobs and that's the sort of thing that we need to make sure that we can do with all of our of, of the people who have the substance abuse issues right now. That's going to mean a lot a long term support, but it's better than death and it's better than just locking people up indefinitely in prisons. It's a lot cheaper than prisons for sure. So. We can do that through Medicaid. We can do that through through you know Medicare. But it it's it's the it's a, a link that needs to be added on to our our process. And we you know that people most people don't nobody plans to become an addict. Nobody plans this. It's not something that anybody ever wants for their life. And if we can find a way to help them out of it, then we have a we we have succeeded in a lot of ways. That's just to, to, to give somebody back their life is probably one of the best things we can do. So we got to make sure we have that recovery added on to everything else that we're working with right now. There's no question about that. One of the things uh, that has struck me here in the last few few weeks and obviously has struck our country is 
the tragedy that happened down in Parkland, Florida. But one of the things that's come out of that is these these young ladies and, and, and the men coming into age and recognizing their needs to be involved. And that, to me, is what I, I take out of this. I mean, obviously, you never forget what happened to those who perished. More than anything is how they've really assembled and have become leaders. And, you know, and that's kind of what, in a lot of ways, what you have done yourself, because you've taken that that leap into Congress. You know, a mother who, you know, raised five children, who uh, was part of a, a home business at one time, and now, you know, has done many other things in the process, but recognizes that the country needs her. And, and that's, that's a wonderful thing. And, you know, it, it's a, it's an ambition that I, I truly admire and I wish you nothing but the best going forward. And I think, you know, we're at a time and place in this country where, uh, you know, those who are taking those opportunities and making a run uh, for office, I don't care if it's uh like I said, a city council or if it's a county seat or if it's, you know, U.S. Congress or a House representative at the state level, it's important and how what they stand for. And I think we're going to see more and more uh, young people get involved, which is a uh, an exciting thing that we I think we've seen last week with that demonstration in, in Washington and throughout Ohio and throughout the country on the 24th. And you know, that's important. And I know Second Amendment rights are important to many people. And, and I'm, I've always never tread on that, but I've always believed that you have a, there are Second Amendment rights and then there's opportunity for common sense. And there's certain things in this country that we don't necessarily need to continue doing. The, it's time to make some changes. And I'm kind of curious exactly how you stand on that and, and where we go from here. Mm. The, uh, the Parkland kids, oh my gosh, I am so proud of them. And I met I met some of the speakers that were at Youngstown at the March for Our Lives rally in Youngstown, and they are just wonderful. Oh my gosh, you you have there. If I don't know if you were there, but the March in Youngstown had wonderful speakers. They were just articulate, wonderful young people. And I was down at the Marietta March for Our Lives. That was the one I attended. And the young people there were articulate and wonderful. I have, I mean, I am just so proud of all these young folks that are standing up. I was not uh, as cool as they are when I was 17 and 18. I will tell you that right now. So the thing is, um, I own guns and I support the Second Amendment. But amendments have always been balanced between personal rights and community public safety. Okay. Every amendment, it doesn't matter which one we're talking about, has always had that balance, whether it's the First Amendment or it's freedom of religion. There is always a balance. Nothing is ever 100 percent in the Constitution. That's something that a lot of uh, people who are currently defending Second Amendment rights forget. They forget that it's not ever a 100 percent thing. If our community safety is being infringed on, then we can't keep doing what we're doing. Okay. And that was from the very beginning. Thomas Jefferson said, my right to extend my fist, you know, ends at your nose. It's, it's always been that way. So if our community safety is being infringed on, which it clearly is, then we need to figure out which common sense gun reforms we can put in place that will help make us balance that between the safety and the right to bear arms. Uh, if 
I was trying to get rid of guns, my kids would be really mad at me right now. I mean, they would, they would, you know, what? They would, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm personally, I'm not for getting rid of guns, but I'm just for reform. Yeah. I don't think there's, there's a need for anyone uh, to prove to me that an AK or a 15 is necessary. It's just for everyday use. I mean, if you and- want to go hunting, I'm a hundred percent for it. You want to protect your farm from certain animals, you know, predators. I'm a hundred percent for it. If you want to protect your household, I don't, I have no problem with that, but the necessary to, to use a uh, machine gun type gun, it's just, it, it blows my mind away. I don't understand it. I never will. Maybe that's my problem, but I'll, I'll have to deal with it in the future. But I, I'm, I'm definitely for that. I want to see basic reforms that uh, protects individuals, but also sees the future uh, as a uh, as a academic, and it's going through our, our country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's 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 even things like uh, universal background checks, things like making sure that people who have been convicted of a, a violent crime, whether it's a felony or a misdemeanor, are no longer allowed to purchase and own guns. Um, there's there's a lot of steps that are very basic that almost everyone agrees on. And uh, the the people that are against any of it act as though it's it's a binary choice. You know, you're either for guns and the Second Amendment or you're against them completely. And it's not a binary choice. And most of the country knows that. So I think that we will see gun reform, gun safety reform moving forward in this country. And I'm I'm just, you know, I'm tickled pink. I have um, my my husband's cousin was murdered in a school shooting in 1996. And it has been, you know, 22 years now. And we've seen a lot of changes over the years in terms of guns from then to now. And most of them were worse than better. So I'm, I'm very pleased to see that that's going to be changing now. It's, um, it's a good thing. We're talking to Shauna Roberts, candidate for the U.S. representative in Ohio 6th District as we uh, continue here. Hey, Shauna, I just want to thank you again for coming on the podcast and give you this opportunity to make one last pitch to those who are listening and those who will find us in the future as they, uh, uh, who you are and what you stand for. Well, I thank you so much for letting me talk to you. This was wonderful. It's just been, you know, you're, listen, we're saying that everybody needs to be, you know, getting involved uh, and our country needs us. And I will tell you, our country needs people who do podcasts and our country needs people who do, you know, every, everybody has something that they can do with their life that's useful and good and kind and uplifting. And I'm just so pleased that, that we're, we're all beginning to think in ways like that. And thank you so much for all your work. This is great. All right. One more thing here. We're going to do a little rapid fire. I got some okay. simple questions and uh, let's see to get to know uh, Shauna Roberts a little bit more. Your okay. favorite TV show. I, I don't watch TV. Um, I, I did. Wa- I watched, I was watching clever man last night. Does that count? Sure. My does. kids. Okay, my kids had that on last night. That was pretty interesting. How about favorite movie? Oh gosh, um, <laughs> the the one that comes to mind right now is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. <laughs> All right, that works. <laughs> I, I'll accept that. Oh, that's about? a great movie. <laughs> Do you have any type of favorite actor or actress? Um, uh, Robert Redford. <laughs> 
that shows how old I am. And um, uh, Jennifer Lawrence is really nice. I like her too. And have you ever played or do play any uh, musical instruments? I took violin lessons very briefly as a child. It was it was not a success. <laughs> so, do you have a favorite song? Mm. There's a, a song that I I play a lot while I'm driving from place to place. It's "All Will Be Well," and I believe the writer is Larry Bird. But I could be wrong about that. But it's an excellent, excellent song. All right. I know you have five kids, so there's got to be this. What is the least favorite song? I'm sure you have that in the car, too. Oh, yeah. There's one that I won't even let them play. And it's it's a it, I don't even know the name of it, but it's got all sorts of rude words in it. Um, And and they. Yeah, no, she's she, I, I, she's a, a rap singer. And I respect her a whole bunch in terms of her professional life. But there's a there's just a it's a very rude, rude song. Uh, and I won't play it. So <laughs> and I'm afraid I don't know the name of it. <laughs> Do you have a favorite athlete or favorite sport? Um favorite sport. You know, uh I really as a as a I was born in Illinois and the Cubs and baseball. And I will tell you this right now. I think that somebody somewhere, um, in order to get the Cubs to win the World Series in 2016, I think they traded our election. I think that, <laughs> as, I, that in order in order to, to take the curse off the Cubs, uh, somebody traded the curse from the Cubs to the to the election in 2016. I'm oh, pretty sure that's how it happened. Yeah, hey, there's there's a conspiracy into itself. One last one. What's what's an item on your bucket list that's uh, like non-professional? Something that you want to do prefer- personally that you you know that you want to achieve or or go see? Um, there is something on my bucket list. But I, I go I go hot and cold on it. There is a thing called it's they're ultra marathons where you go like a hundred miles. Right, right. And, and I go hot and cold on that because every I think it would be so cool to actually do one. And yet every time I start trying to do one, you know, I, I go and I, I jog and I start training. I realize I really don't like jogging much. And so, <laughs> so it's there. kind of, I understand. yeah, it, but, but that is it's sort of on, it's on my hot and cold bucket list. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we were talking with Shauna Roberts. She is a candidate for the U.S. House of Representatives in Ohio's 6th District. She is from Barnesville in Ohio in Belmont County. She is running for the 6th District. You can check her out on the Internet on her website at Shauna Roberts for Congress 2018.org. I recommend you all check that out. We'll put that in our notes. And uh, Shauna, once again, thank you for coming on the podcast. We wish you the best of luck. And uh, hopefully we can have you on this uh, fall as you continue your pursuit of the United States Congress. Oh, sure. I'd love it. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Shauna Roberts for appearing on One on One with Tim Continenza here on RadioMVP.com. You can find more information on Shauna Roberts at ShaunaRobertsForCongress2018.org. And you can follow her on Twitter at RobertsOhioD6. And on Facebook, Shauna Roberts for Congress. 
And once again, you can find us on the internet at RadioMVP.com. All our podcasts are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud, and any podcast catcher that you may choose to use. 